recently went to a copywriting conference in Brooklyn and we did an episode sharing expert tips from the speakers. Cracking episode if you missed it. There were a number of copywriters on stage talking about how they ran their six-figure businesses and landed five-figure projects with small children. At the party on the last night, we got to talking to copywriters who had a very different reality. So today we want to talk about what it's like to be a parent and a copywriter running your business and we're going to get deep and dirty in the reality of it because Kate and I, we both have kids, we both have businesses and we're going to dig into how you cope trying to do all the things and be a good parent. Hello, welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. My name is Belinda Weaver. I am a copywriter. My business is Copyright Matters. That's where you can find all sorts of courses, coaching, and content all about the C's. With me, of course, is Kate Toon. Hello, Kate. Hello, my name is Kate Toon. I'm also a copywriter and the founder of the Clever Copywriting School, an online hub for all things copywriting with courses, jobs, a community, and more. So, Kate, I want to quickly thank Alicia Little for inspiring this podcast episode. We both had a great chat with her on that last night about the challenges of running a copywriting business with kids in tow and the deep and dirty, dark reality of it all. Well, we may have had that conversation, but I don't remember it because, honestly, that conference is a blur. We had a bit of a wild, a bit of a wild time, Belinda and I, at that conference. It's like parents gone wild, um, released from our from our children and our home offices and given too many glasses of wine. It was, it, it wasn't good, but it, it was yeah. Tremendous, Kate. It was it tremendous. It was tremendous. And we had lots of discussions ourselves about trying to balance and do all this stuff. I think, you know, at the moment, we are both in one of the busiest periods of the year, which we're both in launch mode. So Belinda's launching her copyright course, copywriting course. And I've just launched my, um, SEO course, which includes SEO copywriting, and it's been manic. Mm. And I'm I'm struggling to balance this lifestyle and work, you know. Uh, uh, yes, I'm earning the big money. That's great. Well done, me. But I do only have really limited hours to work, and I can just see things falling apart around me. Like the garden. Yeah. I used to have such a nice garden. Like it was my pride and joy. I used to do it. It looks like... I look like I'm in the middle of the Borneo rainforest. There's like a coffee cup on the table outside that's been there for like, I don't know, maybe a week. And I walk past every day. I don't know why. Yeah, every I'm day. I don't it's my house going all on. over. Yeah, like the, the floor in the lounge is so thick. It's got matter on it because I just, oh, man. Just can't. just can't. And, you know, what, we, what we're talking about here is not only us trying to do all the things, but the expectation that women have from the people around them and also that we put on ourselves that all the little things that you've just mentioned are up to us to fix. I don't know how many times that I talk to my family about you don't have to step over the thing, you can pick it up. And I mean, we're not going to rant about 
mum life so much in that capacity. But we she would wants just do though. She wants to rant about it. And I mean, look, I would I would just say there that I know a few uh, parents, uh, males, who are the primary parents. So I think you know, like they always say, in any relationship, there's, there's a this and a that. I think there's a primary parent, and more often yes. than not, it is the woman. But it's not always. So I, I, one of my good friends is he does the lion's share, and and he gets frustrated with his female partner that kind of drives him around the twist. You know, so. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a, it's a woman thing. I think it's a parent thing. Um, but, yeah, right. it's really hard. And then, you know, I'm going off script. I don't care. But, like, today, I just thought this is what I wanted to talk to you about, Belinda. Like, I thought about the number of things I do in my, de- my business day. So today I've, like, scheduled stuff in Active Campaign. I've used Canva and Slack and Asana. I've reconciled with Zero. I've, I've used Agora Pulse to do social media. I've written content. I've made videos with Camtasia. I've uploaded files to Rev and also to Libs. Holy mother. Like, mm-hmm. the admin, the creative stuff, the tech stuff, it's overwhelming you know and that's my normal that's a normal day and what we were just talking about was we're then trying to send emails for launches and then we both had this experience we're like oh crap the emails went out too soon and then they didn't go out and then we sent it to the wrong people and (laughs) really (laughs) yeah I sent I sent one email for launch to promote the final few places to everybody who'd already bought it And then I forgot to turn an automation off that said, sent an email out to everyone saying there are three places left and there weren't. And people were pretty fed up because they were like, oh, oh, great. I thought I'd missed it. Can I get in? And I'm like, no, it's, it's a mistake. Sorry. No, I just, and you want to kind of go, I was really tired and I was also trying to make dinner at the same time. And I'm right. sorry. You can't say that because, well, you All can. Right. I mean, tonight's an example. I've signed up for a new tool called Buongiorno. Have you heard of that? No, what does that do? Exactly. Your pasta. Oh, that would be nice because yeah. I. It, what you can do is send little personalized videos to people who sign oh. up. My thing. So I'm recording welcome to the copywriting masterclass videos for people who are signing up this afternoon. Nice. Well, my my hawker noodles and and I'm sort of <gasps> but I'm getting a bit cranky with everyone going. Oh, did you say? Did you say hawker noodles? You know, like like you street mean, food. Hoiken, hoiken. No, I mean like street food. Like, is it hawk? I'm, oh. I'm going to oh. Google it now. Right, let's have some incidental music. <laughs> Singapore hawker noodles, and it's it's a word ah. for like street food. Oh, I like thought you were trying to say hoi, like H O I. I thought you, I thought you were just being Hoi-ish. Australian. <laughs> having anyway, some hawker like noodles. <laughs> some pot <laughs> toy. Yeah. <laughs> let's move on from my noodles okay i'm often doing things while i'm cooking dinner mm. or the things while i'm driving to school or you know taking little moments where i can yeah and it's hard because it you're not, really no deep diving you're not yeah. paying attention enough to do the things really well yeah i totally agree um and i, I oh, we've got lots to talk about i'll, I'll, I'll let you go on and, and, and talk about um uh, your section next because I've got lots of I'm already thinking of tips and ideas but I'm going to hold back yeah all right so, yeah so one go. of the things one of the things um I get told quite a bit and this came up at the conference as well this was actually a tip from a, a speaker who was making a different point but it's just get more childcare. like you want to do more work you just get more childcare. but to be honest 
that's not why I became a copywriter and I'm not making any judgment calls on childcare because child-free time is magnificent. And if it was cheaper, I would have more of it. But at the same time, I became a copywriter so that I could be around my kids when they were little. Yeah. Which is herein lies the paradox and the challenge. But getting more childcare sometimes just isn't possible because it's too expensive or Yeah, I mean I, I'm I'm very much believe in this one. And I think, yeah, we all lots of us became copywriters so we could spend more time with our kids, but more time is a is a very broad term. You yes. know, do you want to spend not 12 hours a day with your kid and hate your life or do you want to maybe spend eight hours have two hours for yourself to do something that you enjoy and be a better mum and come back you know sure. if you look back even like 40 50 years ago parents did not spend the amount of time they did with their kids even when I was growing up in the 1970s and 80s my parents didn't think of activities and take me places they're just like go and play in the back garden and come in when it's tea time you know they weren't waving their arms around like those things outside discount car garages trying to yeah. constantly keep me entertained and stop me from being bored um and I think there are cost-effective ways to do childcare. you know there are you know some a 16 year old babysitter who comes to your house and looks after your kid for an hour and a half while you're in the house in the other room yes, doing some work helper, a mother's helper there are there are options um, and I think there's options other than childcare. So, you know, if we talk a lot about outsourcing, um, I've realized actually this week that I can never, ever outsource copywriting again. Um, I was a bit flush this week and I thought, oh, I'm going to get someone to write this and this and this. And I got it back and it just so didn't sound like me. I'm like, it's impossible, you know. So don't outsource your, the core parts of your business. You know, mm. get a dog walker, get someone to mow the lawn at the weekend, get someone to clean your loo. Um, I, you know, unless you are charging an appallingly low rate, I would say that you're probably charging a bit more than your average cleaner or your average dog walker. And while you don't want to outsource your life and become some kind of Downton Abbey lady of the manor who doesn't, you know, wipe her own bottom, you know, getting someone to walk your dog twice a week or mow your lawn once a month, you know, it's clawing back little bits of time and it's not really the quality of your life and you're not not living your life. I think there's so much, guilt, so much guilt around that, you know? Yeah. So let's talk about our life before kids. Let's mm -hmm. set the scene. Let's take a trip down memory lane. Mm -hmm. Do you remember before we had kids? How, what was your life like? Well, I mean, I didn't start being a copywriter until I had a kid. So me getting pregnant was the instigus for me becoming a copywriter because I was working full time. Uh, so no, I was working as a contractor in an agency, very high day rate, running a big digital team on my way to being general manager and crying on the bus on the way to work. I did, really wasn't enjoying it, but I didn't think there was anything else I could do. And I was very frightened about losing my, my salary because I was the breadwinner. And um, so you know, I don't know a time of being a copywriter without having children. I've always had. Mm. So I started my copywriting business when I was five months pregnant. So I had a couple of months of being heavily pregnant and running it. And then a couple, and then the next first couple of years were with a very small baby. Um, and obviously because babies are small when you first have them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Because otherwise mind. it might hurt because it didn't <laughs> hurt at all. No. Um, yeah. So I don't know a life you know, my working life before kids was as an employee. And, mm. you know, I, I, I work 50 times harder in my own business than I ever did as an oh, employee. Sure. Sorry, old for bosses, sure. but it's true. So I don't yeah. have a working life, a solo working life before kids, if you see what I mean. What about you? Yeah. 
So I chucked in my, well, I didn't really chuck in, I ended my marketing day job. Chucked it in. Took, I love took, took, took I sucked it off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> took them as my first retainer client. Mm-hmm. Good story. But um, so I, that was in preparation for talking about family, having a family and stuff like that. But that took a little longer than we planned. So I had about three years of full-time freelancing. Oh, I didn't realise yeah, that. That long, okay. Yeah, and I was I would work six to eight hours a day. You wow. know, and I'm being I'm being realistic with six because to be honest, I really enjoyed doing things like taking the dog for a walk in the middle mm. of the day, going to mm. do a and things that you can't do when you're in an office. And I like to finish up about four. 4.30, you know. Oh, so that sounds so lovely. Doesn't it? It sounds heavenly now. Um, but when kids came along, for me, that coincided with our move to the States. So we moved to the States, 10-week-old baby, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, juggling deadlines and time zones and a newborn this is hard. And so that's actually what led, I did about six months of trying to do it all that because I was like, no, I'm going to do everything and no one's going to even notice I have a baby. And that's when I pivoted to do courses and think of different ways that I could change the business. Yeah. Okay. I I mean, I think it's kind of great that you came up with the kind of passive Passive income ideas, although it's not passive. Passive. Um, yes. <laughs> but I passive. guess most, m- many, many, many copywriters in, in your community and mine and who we've met are still have the young kids. Uh, some have yep. a double whammy of the elderly parents as well, and they're trying to run yep. a, a copywriting business. Um, I think if I was in the t- in the times, so I think if I was still in Australia, I wouldn't have necessarily pivoted so soon. Okay, that's interesting. Mm. Australian uh, your overseas mood made you pivot I love a good pivot so I mean let's let's talk about our average day now just so to give other people a perspective of how we how we do things because I think you know I think sometimes people think I'm a robot that I do all the things that I do but I need to I want to be really honest about what I do and the support that I have to do it so um, I do have a cleaner I have a cleaner once a week for a couple of hours I have a dog walker one day a week just to give Pompomoose some variation (laughs) I'm very into Pompomoose's well-being more than more than my own Pompomus is my dog for new listeners uh, my CFO chief chief fairy officer um we have a garden dude that comes and we I get food that Marley spoon little plug for Marley spoon love them um so I get food delivered uh, I, that I make dinner with so that really cuts down on shopping which is awesome so those are some kind of lifestyle things that I've done to make myself life easier the other thing is I outsource a lot of chores to my son so every nice. morning, my wait. son, it's so great. He's nine now, but he started when he was eight. He gets up. His job is to empty the dishwasher, put everything away. He has to clean the coffee table in the lounge and sweep the lounge. He has to sweep the kitchen, feed the dog, do the dog's walk, water, and then take the dog for a little walk just to the tree and back, just so he can have a wee um, so he's not out for too long. But he does all of that, and he has to be dressed, and he has to have his breakfast. He has to do all that on his own, which gives me like <laughs> half an hour to pull myself together in the morning because it literally he does it so quickly because the reward is that he's allowed to watch like 10 minutes of television if he does that which is I know really bad judgment watching a kid like telly in the morning but whatever so I outsource to my kid and then in terms of starting my day my husband and I take turns in taking my son to school so I don't have to do that every day but most days I get back about nine 
And I literally work till three. So, you know, I don't necessarily have lunch. I don't necessarily go to the toilet. Yes, UTIs, they are a thing. Um, I, take, <laughs> I take food into the office with me. And I literally will try and work that six hours. I don't get up and do washing. I don't get up and prepare food or whatever. And then three, I pick my son up. And in the evening, like, you know, he's watching a bit of telly or whatever. I might do a bit of light work in the kitchen while I'm making dinner. So some social media posts, maybe a bit of answering questions or stuff like that, you know. Mm-hmm. I also have a lot of apps on my phone. So when I'm walking the dog in the morning, I can reconcile all my zero accounts and I can you know, answer tweets or like to, you know, I get quite a lot done just walking the dog, which is bad because I should just be walking the dog. And then finally, I do want to make it clear. I will stop talking in a second. I promise that these days with the business, the way it is, I mean, I've got two big businesses now and podcasts and memberships and conferences and whatever. I do have 35 hours a week of VA support. So that's mm. quite a lot, you know. So every day there's someone else maybe going through my emails, someone else dealing with people who can't log into X. You know, that's I'm not doing a lot of that kind of really nitty gritty stuff anymore. I do do still do mm. it, but I have people to take the edge off. So that's my average day: just work like a demon through the day and then stop. And I'm I can do that. I can do that five days a week. So I have five days, nine till three, which I think is thirty hours. And how do you feel after, you know, you do six, five or six hours, just solid. How do you, like, are you crashing in the evening? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm tired. I'm done. Um, You know, and, you know, really important tip that I want to give everybody is, you know, I long for the day when I have a full day where I could just focus on something and and work on something, you know, deep work that we talk about. This has been a really important realisation for me in this last year that that time will never come, ever. And I've got to stop using that as the carrot on this imaginary stick because it's never going to happen. I can spend 10 hours on a project. It just won't all be at one, one time. It might be over three or four weeks. So I can do it, but I had to let go of that. So... Yeah, six hours is as much as I can do. And I used to think I worked longer and I used to think that all those six hours were productive, but probably out of them, four and a half are productive. A lot of them is just mm. sort of sitting there, staring at stuff, clicking tabs open and closed, looking at stuff on Facebook. You know, well, you got a robot. <laughs> no, but I am pretty disciplined. I make my list, I do mm. my things. And if you want tips around efficiency and productivity and time management then listen to our episode that we did a couple of weeks ago with um was it kate i can't remember her second name I've got kate, christie. kate christie some great tips in there about being productive and um, valuing your time and spending your time investing your time rather than wasting it so how do you spend your, yeah. give us a day in the life of belinda weaver well, my because my kids are a lot younger so i oh, only yeah. have one i only have one in school She's just started kindergarten. The other one's two. Mm-hmm. So my child-free days where both of them are at childcare of some description are Mondays and Fridays. And I chose Mondays and Fridays so I can at least start the week and finish the week with a like a good run. But for me, a good run, I get four and a half hours. But by the time I get back, I get from nine until quarter past two. Is that four and a half hours? anyway that's all I get so I get that on Mondays and Fridays and then the other days are choppy and changey I don't I'm like I've got a small person in tow so I have an hour and a half on Thursdays and then the other days I'm just snatching time when I can 
to give myself a little bit more work time on these days, I actually visit some local play center slash cafes where my youngest, my two-year-old Oswin can go around and play with lots of interesting toys and I can sit at a table with my laptop. But for me, it's all about starting the day off right. So what I do is I get up at six and I meditate and I have a Oh, you do not. I do. you're revolting. Who are you? (laughs) So, but that is, I look at that as my time. That's just for me. I finish a hot cup of tea and it's magnificent. And then I make lunch boxes and crap like that. Now, I used to get up at 5, 2018, from January 1, I got up at 5 a.m. every day and I worked until 7. I did meditation, hot cup of tea, got an hour and a half of work in. And from a productivity type point of view, it was wonderful. But by October, I had to stop. Because by four or five, six, you know, the witching hour, you know what we're Mm. talking about, I was not a nice person to be around. Mm. I was not a nice parent. I'm like, I'm not having fun. I'm getting lots of stuff done, but I am not having fun with my life right now. So I was like, tapping out of that, tapping out. It's really hard. You should also, I think, mention the fact that you do pretty much all the childcare. So your husband leaves the house early and comes back late. So it's just you, isn't it? Yes, that's right. And I also, not that I want to be like, give me a freaking star, but both kids go to parent co-op schools. Oh, I just so do not I understand need, that. I need to work in the classroom one day a week at both schools. And I have to have a job at the school as well. At one school, I'm president and the other school, I'm field trip coordinator. So, you know. I don't, see, I just, what's the point of having childcare if you have to be there? I just don't understand it. I mean, I know it's a co-op and it's a beautiful, beautiful, lovely, lovely thing. Um, yes, but it adds pressure mm. to the time I have available. So like you, and this is what we're going to talk, we're going to dig into like how to do it all. I am mm. very clear about exactly when I can work and exactly how long I have. And so I'm very careful not to pack my to-do list on a Wednesday because I really don't have any child-free time that I can do that on Mondays and Fridays. So we're going to dig into some more tips, but yeah, I think the biggest thing I've had to do is be realistic about what I can get done. Yeah, that's a big tip. It's so important. So mm. should we start looking at the tips and tricks? I think I've mentioned yeah. a few of mine already, but um, yeah. I guess for me, it's, uh, I'm very about the to-do list. I'm very clear on my to-do list and I'll make several during the day. So I don't just stick with one. I will, I will make one, in, one first thing in, in the morning um, before I look at my inbox. And then, because those are the things that I really want to do. I really take the attitude of what will I be gutted about if I don't finish this by the end of the day? And usually I allow myself three things, three things on that list. Um, and I will try and tackle those first. I'm very much about eating the frog. So I'll try and tackle at least one of those before I go into my inbox. Because as soon as I go into my inbox, I'm reacting. Oh. I'm not in control. Exactly. So then I'll make another to-do list based on my inbox. And it might be, you know, like answer this. Lots of little quick wins, quick things I can do. Um, one thing I do with my to-do list, which we've talked about before, is I assign time to every task. So I'm realistic. So, you know, I need to write a proposal for this. It's going to take me an hour and a half. So, you know, don't then plan six other things because they're not going to happen and you're just going to feel depressed that you didn't do them. I group tasks together and I give them, use the Pomodoro method. So we've we've talked about that before. 25 minute bursts really gets things done. And, you know, and then what I do at the end of the day 
is I make a to-do list for the next morning, which I may not use, but what it does is it empties my brain of everything that I know that I need to do so I do not have to think about it. So I'm not waking oh, up yeah. in the middle of the night going, oh, that thing, you know, I try to add it on. And I might even take that to-do list with me into the house because my house and workplace is separate. Take it into the kitchen. So if little things occur to me, I can just write them down on that and then with a clearish head in the morning, assess what I'm going to do. Because, you know, you'll be like yeah. making something, you'll be like, oh my God, I forgot to send the email to Bob. And mm-hmm. you'll feel anxious about it and you'll think, you know, I have to turn my computer on. I have to do it right now. And I'm going to write a bad email and I'm probably going to spell his name wrong. No, it can wait till the morning. Just make a note of it and then yes. it's out of your brain. So that's one, one thing I, I plan. I, I, you know, time slots and how long each thing is going to take. Yeah, and I do the same thing pretty much where I have, um, I use a book called Productivity Planner and I don't use it every day, but it's pretty similar. Like you, there are only five lines. Like yeah. you can put five things in. That is all you can do. And it has little boxes. Um, so it says, how many Pomodoros do you think this will take? And you mm. mark how many it actually took. And then at the end of the day, you have to score how productive you are. So for me, you know, the Pomodoros I have on Mondays and Fridays are very different to the Pomodoros I have on Thursdays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Mm. So when I know I have three Pomodoros an hour and a half, I'm like, well, what can I get done? So that's how I kind of, I think estimating how long things will take you is a really important step in terms of juggling it all. And the whole thing is you don't want to end up at the end of the day feeling crap about all the things you haven't got done simply because you didn't manage your list well enough. Yeah. And I think the thing is as well, we all have this terrible sense that we need to get everything done today. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we we need to plan out a month's worth of Instagram posts and write an email. You know, we, we will get to all these things, you know, like I look back over the last year, the things I have now that I didn't have a year ago. No, I didn't get them done quickly. They've taken me ages and there's still a million more things I could do. But the problem with a small business and a copywriting business is there's always going to be more stuff that you have to do. Always. Your inbox will never be empty. So if you're looking for a sense of completion, you're not going to get it that way. So you have Mm -hmm. to have these micro-completion satisfaction moments and it is writing down things on your list that you've already done and taking them off it is small wins just to get that feeling of completion because you're never going to get that overall feeling of completion that we all as humans crave you know to know something's completely done and that's very rare you know so try and find other ways um and there's also I just want to quickly say Mm. something you say a lot as well is choose things that you're going to earn money from Mm. not you know sometimes we all go for quick wins but they're not, it's, it's productivity, it, like it's procrastination tasks. Yes. I, you know, and I, I'll use Instagram as an example here. And this is not a great example for everyone because there's some people using Instagram very effectively to drive business. But there's a bit of me that looks at some of the copywriters doing a great job on Instagram and thinks, I would love to have that beautiful feed and have it all color coded. And, you know, I'd love to plan out. It's a, it's a thing that I've talked about for ages, a whole month of content and tips and whatever. It's never happened. But then I'm like, why do I care about that when I've got dozens of people joining my Facebook group, people are buying my products. Like it's vanity. It's, it's, it's creative procrastination and Mm. it's not going to earn me money. So let's talk about earning money. Um, obviously earning money is not the be all or end all. We need to know that one thing that we really noted about the, um, conference in America was the American attitude towards money is very different. Not just at that conference, but just in general, everyone's hustling, Mm. Everyone's really focused on the figures. A lot of the talks were about, you know, making big money. And, you know, I think 
over in Australia and in England, it's a bit more of a lifestyle thing. So yeah. we want to make money, of course we do, you know, but it's not, it's, we're not so, I don't think we're so tightly clenched about it, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, obvious ways to make more money are to up your rates. It sounds dumb, but if you've been doing this for a while and you haven't looked at your rates for a while, are you due for a change? You know, could you Mm -hmm. get some higher paying clients? You know, look at the niche that you've settled yourself into, sometimes by accident. You know, if you're working in the wellness space, you're not going to make as much money as if you're working in the finance space. It's as simple as that. If you're working with, you know, startup businesses, you're not going to make as much money as you will working with an agency. So I'm not saying you need Mm -hmm. to shift your whole focus, but maybe trying to get a few different types of clients could increase the money that you make in your limited time that you have. The biggest thing I think to, you know, really boost money is not about the types of clients you have and not about the niches, but about getting your processes organized so that there is no time wasted on what email shall I send to this client and how shall I format this document and oh I've got this problem and I don't know how to deal with it because how even though you've I dealt with it before five hours on research yes you know <laughs> like just get your processes organized we talked about this in so many episodes on the podcast about you know why does it take you two and a half hours to write a proposal? It shouldn't take anybody two and a half hours to write a proposal if you've ever done a copywriting project before because they are not that different. There's always similarities. You can change a couple of lines, a couple of paragraphs, and it's ready to go, you know? So processes, that's what I was going to say. What about you? What are your tips, lady? Well, I think um, thinking about what you can outsource. So -hmm. you mentioned all the things that you outsource. You know, I recently got a cleaner. Oh, my God. Every second Wednesday, my favorite day of the week. Mm-hmm. Love coming home to a clean house that I haven't had to do. And I also get less angry at my family <laughs> for being messy because I'm like, I don't have to pick it up. I just have to wait for two weeks. But I also have some meal stuff delivered. So, mm-hmm. you know, about, oh, like, oh, listeners might go, that sounds fancy. They're outsourcing their food and they're getting their dogs walked. But it's all about clawing back time that will either make you happier as a person mm-hmm. um, or give you some more time to work, which is, is totally it. valid as well. And, you know, there's also you could take on subcontractors. You could take on more clients and have subcontractors. Now, we did an episode on that because it comes with its own kind of complexities, but there is a way that you can maintain a presence and maintain um, your pipeline of clients without you having to do all the work. So outsourcing. Mm-hmm. I, I, and, and I think the thing is people often think of outsourcing is it has to be business outsourcing. And I think what we're saying mm-hmm. is it doesn't necessarily need to be that, you know, getting a local teenage kid that you like and trust to come and do an hour a day or an hour and a half a day, you know, there you go. You've claimed back X amount of hours and it's probably not going to be that much, maybe a a couple of hours of you working. I mean, you know, with my, my dog walker, my cleaner and the guy who mows the lawn and wants never, we're talking like a hundred bucks or something. It's not a huge amount of money, you know, yet the difference it makes to me and how happy I am and what I can achieve is, 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 you know, it's priceless. So I think that's really, really important. But look, I think the biggest thing of all of this, you you can outsource, you can get higher paying clients, you can Pomodoro your bits off and write a thousand to do this. But the thing that really makes the biggest difference to stop feeling like a bad parent is to change your mindset. 
Yeah. Yeah. You've got to stop comparing yourself to other people, number one. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, I know that uh, even Belinda and I have made comparisons between ourselves the other day. I never realized that Belinda did all the childcare on her own. I never realized that. I always thought that maybe, you know, your husband helped a bit there. Now I realize that because I've been comparing and going, well, oh, Gina, she's doing a lot of stuff, but she's got loads of help. And I'm like, gosh, she doesn't, you know? Um, <laughs> my husband and, is lovely and awesome. Oh, no, we're not, we're not criticizing the lovely Simon. <laughs> It, it just is your reality. It's just your yeah. your, your reality. And um, you know, I, I mentioned, I may have mentioned when I went to speak at YoastCon, and there were all these people speaking, and you know, they, they were off to another event the next week and another. And I was jealous. I was like, I'd love to be like that. And then I spoke to them, and they were like, they don't have kids, or they have older kids, or they have a partner that's willing to stay at home and look after the kids. Um, and also, they were at a stage in life where maybe they weren't as. Let's be honest, and this is. A, Weird thing to say, maybe, but there's periods in your life where you're crazy about your kids and you're loving being a parent and you're loving mm-hmm. doing all the stuff. And then there's periods in your life where you're not and you want to do a bit of stuff for yourself. And it comes in ebbs yeah. and flows. And they were in a period of their life where they'd maybe done, you know, the first 10 or so years, really giving it their all. And they wanted a little bit for themselves. And the kid was growing up. They wanted to do things with their friends. And so there were different time periods, you know. Um, so that's really important. You've got to remember that your situation is your own and you really have to let go of the guilt because, you know, someone always said to me, if you're even worrying about this, it shows that you're a good parent. When we're talking about bad yeah. parents, they don't care about this stuff. Do you know what I mean? They, yeah. It wouldn't even occur to them. So the fact that you're trying to juggle this and be a role model and keep the house tidy and be a nice person, you know, go ahead, give yourself a break, dude. Yeah. Give yeah, yourself a I break. Mindset has been one of the challenges I've had since my firstborn joined us in this world because I went from being 100% having all this time and then to moving and going, oh, now suddenly I can't do all the things that I was doing before. And it's been hard. You get people say, oh, the, you know, the only young ones. Oh, God, I want to slap I people who say that. that. It's mm. absolutely true, though, and I know I started to realise it with my second where I've gone, oh, crap, you're getting big fast. I am really running out of time with you as a small human. But it's been really hard to admit that my business has had to be on a slow burner when they are very small. That's very hard for ambitious people. Like, Let's be real. If you start your own business, you've got a certain amount of ambition and drive to make that happen. And it's really hard to go, I'm going to slow down for a couple of years. But I think you have to be okay with that. I'm sure some people are pushing through and being magnificent, but let's be real, something has to give. You either don't sleep as much or you're not in your business or you're not with your family or you're not with yourself. I don't think you can do it all. No, you definitely can't. I'm sorry. And there's a few things I want to pick up on there. Like Often people say, oh, you know, you have exactly the same amount of hours in a day as Beyonce. And look at what she does. And it's like, well, Beyonce has a team of 30 people, so shut up. And she's also mega rich. The other thing I think is, you know, the world will wait. You know, the fact that you haven't launched your opt-in offer, no one's sitting there going, where's Belinda's opt-in offer? I mean, you have got one. Do you know what I mean? No one cares. No one's looking. Everyone's too self-absorbed. But the other thing is, like, people are so... That line, oh, your kids are only young once. You know what? Yeah, they are. And then they're only tweens once. And then they're only teenagers yes. once. And then they're in their yes. early 20s once. And then their 30s and their 40s and their 50s. 
it's not like we do all our parenting in the first 10 years. Believe me, you know, I am parenting harder right now than I have done for the last three or four years because you go through different pages, phases where your kids need you more or less. So this whole mm. obsession with you've got to really be there when they're one to five Yes, you do, and you have to look after my. But my son hasn't got a memory before four. So all those things I did, which were great, and don't get me wrong, but you know, <laughs> I mean, all these things we're killing ourselves to do. They won't remember them anyway. You know, I remember when I had very when I was very small, I went to see a, a counselor about something or other, and she said, you know, kids don't remember the day to day. They don't remember the activity you did. They don't remember the gift you got them. They really don't even remember the time that you spend with them. They're like dogs. Time just comes and goes and they have no sense of it. They remember the sense of safety and warmth. They remember hugs. They remember feeling loved. And you can yeah. make a child feel loved and still have a good business. You know, you can, yes. you can take an hour away from your child and it will still feel loved and it will still grow up to be a good human being. And I think yes. we just got to get over this thing that they have to be physically glued to us for 24 hours a day while we make them hessian clothing and feed them carrot and mushroom meatballs. It's nonsense. <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> so and I'm all like, I have a very strong conversations with my two girls saying, mm. well, you know, dad goes to work in an office and mummy runs her own business and I work here. So I want to, I'm not just fiddling around on the computer. I think it's really good for them to see parents doing their own thing whatever it is, but we're talking about running your own copywriting business here, but doing that and making a go of it. I think it's yeah. important for them to see. Uh, I really do. And another glorious thing, and you're not there, is that, you know, my son's nine now and now he, he's getting involved in the business. So I sent out little goodie bags that everybody signs up in the course. And, you know, he came in, he got the Excel spreadsheet, he wrote all the addresses out and checked them off. And I, you know, I gave him $10. He worked an hour. $10 is a pretty good rate. Um, and he therefore is getting to see what I do in my business. Um, yeah. But it, it is a balance, you know, I, this year, my thing has been, oh, I want to speak at events. And I did a couple and I, you know, I was like justifying to myself the other way going, it's so good for my son to see me being a strong woman doing these things. Yeah. And then the realization came, yeah, that's great. But actually what he really wants to see being is his mum poddling around the kitchen, telling him off for playing Fortnite and, you know, making, getting him a snack. You know, let's be honest. Yeah. They, they want to yeah. see us being great women, we think. <laughs> but yeah. They want us to be a mum. But I just think you know, there's just too much guilt and too much pressure. And it. it is particularly on women, I think, to be it all. But increasingly it's on men too. There's a lot of pressure on fathers to be such great dads and to, you know, yeah. come home from a hard day at work and listen and play and be involved and cook. And it's God, you know, there's a really good thing as well I wanted to mention before we finished. My friend recommended a book called The Third Space. I can't remember who it was written by. But one thing I think that we find very hard as parents and business owners is that we have to switch between the two very quickly. So you've mm -hmm. just spent an hour doing a webinar and then you have to quickly go to the kitchen and be a mom and make dinner or vice versa, especially if I'm doing evening things. I've just spent half an hour making dinner and then I have to go and put this hat on and be a business human again. And it's really difficult. I find yeah. that hard. So my friend told me about this whole idea of the third space and it's just having space between those two things to just break it up. So one of the things that you talk about is, you know, if you've worked all day externally, so maybe like your husband comes home, but yeah, he sits in the car. 
the 15 minutes before he mm. enters the house just to get his head straight, to think about his day, to process what's going to happen when he opens the door so that they're ready for it and that you don't finish the dinner one minute before your webinar starts. You come into your office 15 minutes before it starts, have that cup of tea, tidy up your desk, have some mm. time to breathe before you take on the next thing. And I know that means even more time, but just that space between the two roles, I think is really important. I love that. Mm. It's by attributed to someone called Homie K Barber. There you go. Show mm. I like that because I do a lot of evening work, obviously with time zones. Like right now for me, it's 8.39. So mm. it's hard. Day, dinner, get back on. But if I want to talk to people in Australia, that's what I have to do. But what I try and do to offset that is make sure I have not everything's booked every night. Every and night, I have, yeah. I've started a hobby, so I do my rock climbing on Wednesdays. <laughs> um, but I try and make sure that I am not fatiguing myself with the expectation that I need to run my motor all at high speed all the time. Yeah. And that I give myself permission to have a night off. And I don't get many because that's where my business is right now. Um, and that's about launching and that's about time zones and that's about lots of things. But it's an even more important for me then to go, right, Saturday morning, we're just going to all sit outside in the sun for a while, you know. And yeah. go uh, a little thing that I did yesterday, which makes me sound like a complete nutbag, but regular listeners will know that I am a complete nutbag, is I was feeling so stressed and so busy and trying to balance everything. My son was going away on a trip and I really wanted to be excited about that for him and, and get his bag ready and but I also am in the middle of a launch and and so I walked around the house going I am really busy but I'm only busy because I'm successful and I'm lucky and things could be a lot worse I could be working in a coal mine I could be commuting five hours a day I could be doing a job right. I hate I'm doing a job I love I do spend an awful lot of time with my son more than a lot of people as well like remember if you are freelancing Think about those people who do commute two hours to work, work eight hours and come back. Think about their relationship with their children and maybe that they only get to see them at weekends and whatever and how tough that must be. So we are lucky to a degree. I mean, we've made our own luck, but I just think the biggest message for me is to just give up on the guilt because, you know, we flagellate ourselves over not doing all the things in our business and not being great parents. Oh, but yeah. I think most of us probably are doing an okay job at all. And okay is okay. We don't yeah. all have to be amazing. You know, being okay is, is good enough, you know? <laughs> That's right. And I like talking to Alicia at the, at the party at the conference, she made a reference to kids watching her kid watching TV or the tablet. And she was like, Oh, you know, I'm just a terrible deadbeat mum." And I was like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. Firstly, that's not how you talk to yourself. Um, but kids, I watched tons of TV when I was a kid. And you're, and you're turned time. out really weird. My little tip to finish so. off there is uh, put the subtitles on and then they're reading as well. So it feels good. <laughs> I love that. Okay, there we're done. All <laughs> right. Well, I hope everyone feels good about their, what they're trying to do because we're all trying to do it and we all have to just do the best we can but without trying to do everything because you know what we're all going to get old really soon and we want to have some fun along the way <laughs> so regular listeners will know that this is when we read out a review of the show and today we're giving a shout out to Andrew Bracey from Australia um, Andrew Bracey is from Embrace Creative who does all my graphic design by the way they're brilliant and Andrew said started listening to the hot copy pod about six months ago and still can't believe these ladies are giving this gold away 
for free. Like many other listeners, I've learned so much that's helped me grow my copywriting skills and expand my understanding of the craft. Recent episode number 88 with Nick Osborne could not have been more timely and relevant for me especially. As someone still in the relatively early stages of a switch from journalism to full-time copywriting, Hot Copy has helped me realize I'm not alone in the terms of concerns and problems I've experienced. And it's given me the confidence to press ahead. We'll continue to mine the Hot Copy back catalog. Thank you, Kate and Belinda. A long one, but a good one. Thank you, Andrew. And I have to take a big breath after that. Thank you very much for listening. If you like the show, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. Your review will help others find us. And just like Andrew Bracey, we'll give you a shout out on the show. We'd love to know, what are your challenges as a copywriter and a parent? What tips have resonated with you in this episode and maybe what tips can you share? So share them on Facebook and Twitter, you know, Hot Copy Podcast, that's us, or you can head to the hotcopypodcast.com website and leave your comments on the episode. So thank you very much, Kate. This has been enlightening as always. Thank you very much. Speak soon, everybody. Happy writing. Thanks for listening right to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy my two other podcasts. I have one called The Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO tips, advice, and helping you grapple the Google beast. And my other, The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which is all about dealing with the stresses of running your own business. You can find both of them on iTunes and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We can talk about this on the podcast because I think I, there's something I want to say on the podcast before we start about like all the things we do during the day because I think it's in it's part of what we're talking about. So you yeah, know when we just, do that like <clears throat> how are you going? I think you, you can talk a little bit about talk about your launch and I'll talk about my launch oh, yeah. Yeah. and how frantic we've been because I think it gives it context. <laughs>